This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Everybody say, wow. Wow. What a day. What a day. What a day. Hallelujah. I tell you what, praise God. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. So what are we going to do? Yeah, praise God. What else can we do? Yeah, be glad. Glory to God. You know, life's a choice. You know, you can choose to be happy or you can choose to be, well, grumpy, I guess. And some folk, unfortunately, that's what they choose. And, uh, you know, that's just no way to live, especially with Jesus. You know, I mean, we, we just got done singing about him being the bread of life. And he just said, come and eat. All of you that are weary, glory to God. Amen. And I tell you what, thank God that today you and I were here as believers and we have the privilege of knowing him in a personal and a real kind of way. And it makes all the difference in the world. I said it makes all the difference in the world. Doesn't mean that we don't have issues or challenges and things that we're having to deal with, but thank God greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. In other words, we win. Amen. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm winning. Well, praise God, aren't you glad you don't have to go by the way you feel? Thanks for your excitement. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, it's really true that uh, Jesus provided a means whereby redemption could be provided for humanity, for people. He said, I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And if you want to fixate on the problems, if you want to fixate on you know, the things that aren't going right or the trouble that people are giving you or whatever the case might, you can do that. Or you can choose another path. How many of you believe that Jesus may have uh, experienced a little, uh, oh, I don't know, friction, opposition, trouble? Uh, I mean, whatever kind of descriptive adjectives you want to use. He faced them all. The Bible says that he was tempted in all points as you and I are, and yet he was without sin. So praise God, we've got a great example, don't we? Amen. He said, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. Hallelujah. And you say, well, you know, I'm not Jesus. I mean, come on, give me a break. Well, I know that. I mean, everybody knows that, that you're not Jesus. Amen. (laughs) But yet right on the other hand, praise God, he has placed his spirit in you. Glory to God. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah, it's the Holy Ghost that makes us able. He is the enabling ability or he is the empowering ability within the child of God to be able to live as Jesus asked us to live. I mean, we already proved we couldn't do it on our own. Huh? I mean, you know, before you met Jesus, I mean, your life probably was, well, let me say it this way. I want to say, you know, some people, they kind of had their stuff together, but if you don't know Jesus, you're, you're, you're still in, in a bad place. Are you with me? I mean, even though, you know, you can be proper and you can be disciplined, you can be all these things, but if you don't know him, you don't have anything. And so the real truth of the matter is, is regardless of, you know, what happened within your life, you're still a mess without him. How many are you glad you got him? Yeah, because I'm telling you, Jesus is into cleaning up messes. I look across this congregation and, you know, some of you I know, uh, I've known, you know, uh, in your B.C., before Christ, you know, all of that. And let me tell you, dude, you were a mess until Jesus got a hold of you. Hallelujah. 
I remember uh, uh, our, the founder of our Bible school, Kenneth Hagin, he talked about as a child growing up, he grew up uh, Southern Baptist, but he didn't know Christ. And uh, he, was, um, he was an invalid. He had a lot of uh, physical conditions and problems and things of that nature in his physical body. And, uh, you know, he just, <clears throat> well, he was at a disadvantage because of it. And so, of course, you know, people uh, have a tendency, you know, to make themselves bigger. They like to pick on people that don't have quite as much. Hey, welcome. Glad you're here. Glory to God. So anyway, uh, he was, uh, he was uh, you know, he, got, he was just mad at everybody, you know, because everybody tr- mistreated him and things of that nature. And uh, so he's just full of hate, basically. And, you know, that can happen to people. You know, we have all kinds of things that we experience in life. And, you know, um, if, if we don't uh, handle it correctly, and, and sometimes we don't have the tools to be able to do that. I mean, we don't have, when I say tools, I'm talking about knowledge, you know, because you, you have one of two choices. All of us experience these types of things, but you can either get bitter or you can get better. And that's your decision. And he got bitter. Well, thank God, you know, uh, before, uh, before long, I think when he was 16 years of age, he gave his heart to the Lord and he got saved. And when that happened, everything changed. And God took all of the hate out of him, out of his heart. And thank God put his love in there. The Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I haven't been expressing that love here lately. Well, you know, you still can. Just because you buried it doesn't mean you can't dig it back up again and get it out there and shine that baby up and make it look nice. Huh? Hallelujah. I'm not sure how to take your expression right now, but these are truths. Amen. We live in a world that is really filled with hate. Uh, You watch any of the media outlets and all of these different things that are being said and whatever. It's all being fostered and fueled by hate. Well, uh, praise God. The Bible says that you and I are the light of the world and that we are the salt of the earth. So even though the love of many may grow cold, it doesn't mean yours has to. Amen. And I'll be real honest with you. I mean, the world needs your love to love the unlovely. And I didn't say that that was an easy thing. I mean, we all, you know, have to face uh, different kinds of situations. And by the way, this isn't my message. I'm just, this is the appetizer. Okay. We're just kind of wetting your appetite for what it is. And I want to share with you. But I think uh, I say all of this just to simply say that we are of all people most blessed. If you're a believer, if you're a child of God, if you know him, then I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you are of all people most blessed. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Well, listen, it's great to see all of you this morning. Glad you're here. We especially want to wa- uh, welcome those that are online watching from wherever it is that you're at. Hope you got a Bible there close by so you can get into it with us. And also we want to mention to you and invite you to come visit us live and in color. Hallelujah. Uh, come to the church and be a part of what it is that's going on here because, you know, <clears throat> uh, they used to have that old commercial, you know, is it real or is it Memorex? How many of you remember that? How many of you don't have a clue? Okay. You know, like Sammy and Nick and they're going, well, man, nah, man. well it's, it was back there a ways. And so, uh, you know, real's better. So again, we want to welcome you to come and join us at 945 on Sundays. Praise God. Well, did you all bring a Bible with you this morning? Let's open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1, 
If you can find that opening in your Bibles, Isaiah, the first chapter. Hallelujah. You know, I know uh, uh, there's a lot of concerns about what's going on in the world, but I tell you this much about it. We're living in one of the greatest times that man has ever known. You say, well, how's that? <laughs> because Jesus is coming again. The Bible says that his return is nearer than when we first believed. You know, and uh, so we're living in this day and age where we have the privilege to usher in the king. And, you know, he gave us some instructions through the Gospels as to what it is that we needed to be doing. You know, he said to occupy till I come. He also said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and those that don't shall be damned. And uh, so the church <clears throat> has been commissioned to go and to communicate and pitch the gospel. Sometimes you can communicate better by what you do than what you say. Yeah? You know, people, you know they, sometimes uh, people get this mistaken idea that their marching orders is just go out there and, you know, preach fire, brim, fire and brimstone and, you know, this and that. And the Bible does say, you know, some get saved by fear, but let's, let's make sure it's God, not you. Okay, I'm going to try it over here. Um, because um, um, you can do a lot of damage that way. But we can also model Christianity, can't we? Can't we live Christianity? My wife and I, one time years ago, were um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were getting married, and we brought an invalid from, uh, she was a uh, quadriplegic and we brought her from Kansas up here, and her, her grandmother had to come and, uh, to, to care for her during uh, that weekend that we were together. And one of the things that the grandmother, and, and we really, I mean, we weren't, I mean, we we're just trying to be ourselves. Obviously, we wanted to be a blessing to them because they were at a disadvantage and stuff. And, and out of this grandmother's mouth on one occasion, she said, you guys are so full of love. You know, and, and the reality is, is that we can all do that if we choose to. And um, so it was a memorable weekend for them and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. And that doesn't mean we condone sin. You know, God doesn't condone sin, but he still loves the sinner. Huh? You know, you know, and a lot of times, you know, Years gone by, it's not so much now because we have all kinds of morality issues and things of that nature. But, you know, people that ended up being divorced, you know, the church looked down their noses at them, you know, and condemned them and all this and that and the other. Well, the Bible, you know, it does say God hates divorce. Okay. But did you know he loves divorced people? Yeah, he sure enough does. There isn't anybody that, uh, you know hates or doesn't want to see divorce more than God does. But unfortunately, because we are human and um, people make mistakes, they do, you know, dumb things. I didn't say you did it. I, I'm just saying people do. You know what I'm saying? And um, um, sometimes things happen to us that we um, didn't have anything to do with. I'm so glad that God is merciful and that he's forgiving and that he's gracious well, if he's all those things, then we should be too. Now, again, I don't, <clears throat> I don't <clears throat> excuse me, mean to say that we condone what people are doing, you know, 
because God doesn't condone what people are doing. There are a lot of churches today, they let anything and everything happen in, in the ways of lifestyles and things of that nature. I, I don't believe that's, that's God. I said, I don't believe that's God. I think we need to tell them the truth, that there's a better way uh, to live, okay? Not in a condemning way. The Bible talks about in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, lest preadventure God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, so that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are being taken captive by him at his will. Because see, the devil uses deception. He's a liar. There is no truth in him. And so he will tell people all kinds of, well, it's all right. You're your own person. I mean, you know, you can do whatever it is that you want. He has worked relentlessly to extract any absolutes from the culture in which you and I live. Anything goes. Well, anything may go in culture, but anything does not go where the kingdom of heaven is concerned. Are you with me? So you and I have the privilege to discover what it is, that, how it is that God would have us to live in order to please him. Amen. Are you listening to me? I thought I was going to start my message, but evidently I had some other things to say. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know? Hallelujah. Everybody say, I am salt. I am salt. And I am, light. I am light. Be salt and light, you guys. Live and love and do all you can to reach people that, that are in this world. <clears throat> Jesus made another statement. <clears throat> he said, the hour comes when no man can work. And uh, so we need to be about the Father's business just as long as we can. Amen? Because things, you know, become increasingly difficult and challenging. And, and then Jesus is coming. And he's going to take us all away. You say, you believe in the rapture? I said, I sure do. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says we shall be caught up. Yes, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Yeah, there's a rapture. What are you talking about? <clears throat> God came and got Elijah. Huh? <clears throat> when, Je <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, when Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible says that, that uh, Moses and Elijah showed up. Listen, God is real. And, you know, if he wants to do things outside the boundaries of this natural world, guess what? He can do that. Why? Because he's a supernatural God. It's a realm that exists that's more real than the one you and I are living in. So when he said, you know, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that you may be where I am. Hallelujah. Always. And so when he makes these promises that it, it, it's all couched in uh, the concept and the understanding that because these things are going to take place, then this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to live. So that's what real faith is. We discover what it is that the Bible has to say, and we say what you want about it, buy in. We say, yes, Lord, I believe. Everybody say, I believe. See, we need to believe the Bible. A lot, of, a lot of people say they believe the Bible. They don't believe the Bible. You say, well, how do you know that? Because they don't live the Bible. They don't do the Bible. Huh? You know? And that's a whole other subject that I, I'm really trying to get to Isaiah chapter 1. 
Amen. Because I got a lot of notes and, you know, we could be here till three o'clock. How do you all feel about that? Did you bring a lunch? You know, now we won't quite do that to you. But uh, these are these are things that are important to us. You know, as we wash ourselves with the word, the washing of the water of the word. Y'all, y'all need to be uh, people of the word, reading the word, meditating on the word. Paul told Timothy, he said, meditate on these things so that your profiting may appear unto all. If people would just take time to think about what the Bible says and then make an application of it, it'd change their life. It would change their world. It would change everything that's going on. People, you know, are always asking about, you know, what am I supposed to do? What am I this? What am I that? Well, if you'll just get in the book and let the book get in you, it will change you. Huh? Because the Word of God, Hebrews 4 and 12 says that the Word of God is a living thing. The Word of God is alive and powerful. Huh? So... The more of the Word of God you can get into you, the better off you're going to be. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's why, you know, I say this all the time. People say, well, you don't have to go to church all the time, be a good Christian. Well, you know, I don't, I don't consider going to church a have-to kind of thing. I, I consider it a want-to kind of thing. Now, if you're going to a dead church and, they, you know, got some social gospel going on and, you know, you're going to get three points in a poem and, you know, 10 minutes later we're done, I get that. But I tell you what, praise God, if you go someplace where it's alive, where people are getting fed the Word of God, we can learn some things. I tell you, if I can sit in a service for 45 minutes and get one thing, you know, it is absolutely worth every minute or all the effort or whatever it is that you want to describe, because praise God, I'm out to win. I'm out to please my Heavenly Father. I'm out to do that which is right in His sight. Hallelujah. And he's made it possible for you, praise God, to be an overcomer. Huh? You know, whatever is born of God, the Bible says, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So I tell you what, thank God. Everybody, I mean, you ought to just raise one hand right now to heaven and just thank God for what it is that he's done for you. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. We're just so grateful this morning for your blessing in our lives. We thank you for the goodness, Father, that you've shown to us and the word of God that has been revealed so that we may be able to know your will and walk in the light thereof. Help us, Father, in these few moments we have together to assimilate those things that you've spoken to us so that we might be able to enjoy all that heaven has to afford. I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your blessing in our lives today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19. Notice what it says here. It says that if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Verse 20. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. Now listen to this. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, how many of you know God watches over his word to perform it? And what we have here is a verse of scripture that gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the will of God for the believer. And what did he say? He said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the what? The good of the land. Hallelujah. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll end up being devoured. He said devoured by the sword. People, people end up, you know, the Bible says that people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. 
People are being devoured and destroyed in many different kinds of ways. I mean, we're not out there, you know, literally with a sword, you know, and, and people are dying. But people are dying for their lack of knowledge or for their rebellion and their disobedience to God. Are you with me? That's why you ought to thank God for April and Daryl and all of the church workers that are over there teaching your kids. Because the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Huh? Huh? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment. And then it goes on to say, so that it might be well with you, and so that you might live long on the earth. How many of you know God wants you to live a long life? But if you're rebellious, you know, and if you don't do the will of God, and, and that's why, I praise God, you know, I say this to parents all the time, don't let your kids disrespect you. you. You see in culture right now, I mean, go to Walmart, walk up and down the aisles, and watch and see what's going on, where kids are dishonoring their parents, and their parents, they don't have parenting skills, so they don't handle things, you know, they, they snatch them up, you know, and beat them around, you know. Well, if I wasn't a child of God, I'd like to snatch them up and beat them around. You know, that's not, but they don't know. They're just without. And, and the children, you know, they become uh, disadvantaged. So that's why I thank God for children's church and the nursery, all these places, you know, where, where the message that God loves you and that he's on your side and for you and you can be a winner with him is being um, deposited within them. But they get that once a week, okay? So that's why as parents, you know, uh, you have to, uh, the church is a support to what you're doing. It's not the other way around. You know, we, we want to, you know, throw it off on the church and say, well, how come you're not taking care of this? Because it's not our job. We're here to help, to lend support. Amen? But again, you know, when, when we raise or train up our kids in the way that they should go, the Bible says they'll not depart from it. Hallelujah. So we, we pour into them uh, so that the blessing of God can rest upon their lives. I use this example because I only know my own experience. But, you know, a lot of the, the kids that I ran around with uh, growing up, they're all dead. They all died prematurely for lots of different reasons, drug overdoses, uh, car accidents, all kinds of things. They didn't live out the full length of their days. It's really frightening to me sometimes when I think about if I hadn't met Jesus when I was 19, I, I, I'd be one of them, okay? No question about it. But thank God he gave me life, and I decided to become a follower of him. You know, it's kind of smart to obey Jesus. It's kind of smart to follow him. Now, you're going to get pushback. You always get pushback. People are always trying to you know, discredit, you know, uh, godliness and living for God and, and all of those different kinds of things. And the reason is because they got issues in their own life and they don't really want to give their heart to the Lord. They'll give them part of it, you know, but they ain't going to give them all of it. Well, that doesn't work. It's either all or nothing at all. Are you with me? And so when you become a follower of him, then praise God, he can do what it is that he wants to do in your life and fulfill the promises that he's made to you as his child. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. So we ought, to, we ought to be all in, huh? When it comes to kingdom business and what it is that he's doing. Glory to God. Well, again, the scripture here that we read as a text, I'm trying to get where I want to go. If you're willing and you're obedient, 
The Bible says you'll eat the good of the land. How many of you kind of favor that proposition? Sure. I mean, you'd, you wouldn't be in your right mind if you didn't like that idea. So we want to do that. We want to end up eating the good of the land. But, you know, God said, um, but you have to be willing in your heart and you have to obey. Glory to God. And, th and then the other thing I wanted to point out is, is that he said it. So he watches over his word to perform it. Every word that has ever escaped the lips of our father, they all come to pass. Hallelujah. So this morning I want to talk to you. Uh, and, and it kind of plays into, I know, how many of you are still wondering about our offering last week? How many of you have already heard? Okay, well, some of you, are, we let the cat out of the bag on Wednesday, but I'll, it has to do with that. I just thought that I would use this as a catalyst to talk to you about things. So I, I want to talk to you about changing the way you think about money. Money. Everybody say money. How many of you know money is what makes the world go around? You say, oh, no, 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 the, 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 the song says love makes the world go around. Well, love might be a part of it, but guess what? You've got to have this if you're going to function within the world in which we live. And so there are a, quite a number of you that are new to the fellowship. And so I felt like I wanted to, you know, talk to you from the pulpit about um, things biblically when it comes to money. Many of the rest of you have heard me, you know, talk along these lines and things, but it, it never hurts to hear some things again. Can you say amen? amen. And uh, so the reason is, is because, you know, um, like I said, a significant and important role, um, the, the kind of role that money has within our lives, because it's what we function with. And not to mention the fact the Bible has quite, quite a bit to say about the subject. And, and if we're not well informed and if we're not taught... A lot of the things I'm sharing with you this morning, I didn't ever know. My wife and I, we didn't, we didn't know them, but we learned them. And so I'm sharing them with you because if we're not well-informed, we can experience a lot of hardship and suffering. And let me say this, needlessly, because we aren't well-informed. We don't know what the Bible says. Religion maybe has said this, that, or the other. And uh, a lot of times people, you know, they have the mistaken idea, you know, that if the preacher starts talking about money, he's got his hand in your pocket. I could care less about that. What I'm sharing with you has nothing to do with that whatsoever. It is helping people to learn how to function within the kingdom's economy. You with me? In other words, doing life his way. And when we do so, uh, the blessing of God, he said, will come upon you and overtake you. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. That's where people sometimes, they get discouraged, you know, and they say, well, you know, God's not doing anything for me. Well, just hold on. You know, he doesn't always pay up every Friday. You know, sometimes not at the end of every month either, but sooner or later, you know, when we set out to obey God and do the will of God, sooner or later, payday is coming. I've watched God deliver people. I'm sitting here thinking about Linda Parker. She lost her husband. She was a widow, and she didn't have two nickels to rub together. And God supernaturally came to her aid, didn't, didn't he, Linda? I mean, she had no leg to stand on, and God uh, blessed her immeasurably. And I could go around this room. I could talk to you about all kinds of people, you know, because the thing about it is it doesn't cost. It pays to obey God. Are you listening to me? But again, you know, people, they, they become, 
you know, uh, impatient, if that's the right word. And there's a building that takes place. You know, you don't start out at the top of a ladder. Sometimes you got to do a little climbing. Amen? Rung two, rung three, rung four. No, no, I want to be up there with them. You know, I mean, how come they got all that? Well, they must have done something. Okay, thanks for your excitement. Hallelujah. But, you know... <clears throat> 45 years ago, like I said, when Joan and I were dating as teenagers in high school, we didn't know none of this. Well, we weren't saved, for one thing. And then she, she gave her heart to the Lord, and I followed suit and gave my heart to the Lord. And uh, he started changing everything. We started learning things. And I've I got to be honest, you know, when I got saved, if somebody would have said, you know, well, the, the truth is, is that if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to go through life without anything, you know, and you're just going to have to suffer. And I mean, you know, after all, that's what, you know, Christianity is all about. I was willing. I said I was willing. Because for the first time in my life, I knew that Jesus was real. But all of a sudden, you know, as I began to read the Word of God, I discovered, well, you know, you don't have to do that. Thank God he's got provision for his own. He takes a father's place. You know, if you've got a loving father, any father that is in his right mind, he's going to care for his own, is he not? Huh? And I tell you what, God can do it in grand style because he's got plenty. Amen. And so you just need to know and pray and, and learn these things. But like I said, Joan and I, I, you know, we didn't know these things. Now, we've been after it for about 45 years. 40, yeah. A long time. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and somebody was telling me uh, or talking to me here recently. They said, well, uh, two people, as a matter of fact, here of, of late said, well, when are you going to retire? I said, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to refire. You know, <clears throat> I finally have just figured out what I told them was, is I said, I just finally am kind of getting figured out what's going on here. Not that I know everything by any stretch of the imagination, but I have learned a little bit. Amen. And so why would I want to, you know, uh, cut and run now? Because I could really actually kind of help somebody, you know, um, and that's, I guess, what we're going to do. So let's talk about the offering. So. Raise your hand, those of you that don't know what the outcome was. Raise them up high. <laughs> You're going to love this. Hallelujah. So, so how many, you know, for those of you that may have not been here, last week we had a missionary and his wife, Jerry and Barb Manderfield, from uh, Colombia, uh, in Medellin, Colombia. And uh, they left uh, the United States 30, I think, one years ago with an eight- a six, a four, and a two-year-old, and took off. Now, if you remember, back in the 80s, Medellin was, I mean, Columbia, it, it was the worst, man. You know, I mean, it was drug cartels and everything. So these two took their four kids and moved there. People thought they were crazy. And, <clears throat> you know, in the natural, I'd say... They were probably right. But God had a mandate and a calling on their life, and they obeyed. And they went not knowing where they were going. So now after 30-some years, they're, they're turning that world upside down. I wish you could see, you know, with your own eyes, the things that this couple has done in loving kids and embracing kids. And now their kids are older and adults now. And, and I tell you what, their, their own kids are... Uh, just as much a part of this as anything. It's awesome. 
So anyway, I was on my way back from Branson, Missouri. The Lord spoke to me. He says, I want you to challenge the people to give $10,000 to this couple. And uh, <clears throat> he had mentioned to me on the phone that COVID and different things of that nature had been a little bit hard on him. Support, you know, in some ways had uh, diminished and things of this nature. And so uh, I said, hallelujah, great. I said, yeah, let's do that. And he says, and I want you to lead the way, you know, in other words, in the giving. In other words, to be an example and things. And so I argued with him. Any of you ever argue with God when he says, I want you to give a, a special offering? Huh? I said, God, I've been in, I've been in Branson all week long, and I've, we've been giving generously, and you want me to do what? Well, you know, he already knew I'd been, we had been giving generously, and he wanted us to do something else. More. Huh? So I wrestled with it all weekend. We're driving back. You know, I got this rest. I never even told her. Uh, you know, finally Sunday morning, I mean, we're getting down to it. Church is going to start here pretty quick. So, you know, we're in the bathroom getting ready and things. And, and I said, honey, I think that God wants us to give that couple a, a, a really good offering of $10,000. She says, praise God, let's do it. I didn't tell her about the fact that we were in on it for a significant amount. So anyway, <clears throat> we got here and we did that. And and so how many of you, uh, well, I don't, I don't need to do that. I'll just tell you the number. The number, when it was all said and done, was $21,385. Yeah, you ought to shout and give God a great big round of applause. 21, three. And so I'm, I'm talking to another church member on the phone this weekend. And they had asked me about, you know, the number and what it was because they weren't going to be here today. And, uh, and so when I told him, he says, you know, I tell you what, he says, uh, why don't you just put my wife and I down for, for whatever the remainder of it is. We might as well make that an even $22,000. And so I said, well, all right, praise the Lord. So you, and I want to just, I want to thank you. And, and it isn't about the amount, whatever your amount was, God bless you. Okay. That's not the, the point. But I just appreciate, so appreciate your generosity in, in giving the way that you did to be able to bless this couple. And they did tell me, I mean, I, I texted Jerry, you know, we can text back and forth. We can actually call each other. But I texted him and he said, he said are you kidding me? You know, of course, they didn't expect that. And uh, so they were very blessed. But they had a benefactor that had uh, scholarshiped. I think 12 or 15 kids, and I think they may have been from Venezuela that, uh, that was supporting these kids when they went to college. Well, for whatever reason, not, I mean, it was circumstance that caused the benefactor not to be able to support these kids anymore. And here they are in Columbia, you know, I mean, it, it gets really, I mean, they were in school and everything, but, you know, no support. And so they told us that a portion of it, at least, was going to go to keep these kids in the school so that they could finish it up. So you had a, you had a great big... And who knows what those kids will do uh, to impact the world um, uh, in which they are. So, thanks. You know? Amen. I tell you, it's so good. So good. Praise God. A lot more we could talk about, but anyway. If you're willing and obedient, what's going to happen? You'll eat the good of the land. And you all agreed that you wanted to do that. 
But there's three reasons why people fail to enjoy God's best in their lives when it comes to their finances. Three reasons. Now, these may not be the only reasons. So you say, well, this is the magic. Are these the magic things? No, this is just three reasons. That's all they are. There's probably more. The first is a natural mindset of having a poverty mentality or a lack mentality. The second is religious thinking. I'll, I'll, I'll unpack these a little bit in a moment. And then the other one, number three, is covetousness, you know. And uh, so there's three things for you to think about. The way we think about money, number one, religious thinking, and then also covetousness. Let's talk about the, our natural mindset. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of people grow up in environments and things like that where they don't really have much. And whether you realize it or not, it gives shape and form to the way that you think. Other people, they grow up with, you know, uh, more, and so it impacts their lives. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I use my wife and I as an example because um, I grew up in a home, in a, in a house where the porches were falling off of it, when you walked in on the back porch, which is where my mother had one of those old washing machines with a ringer thing, you know, and whatever, the floor, all the floor joists underneath it were all rotted out, so it was nice and spongy. You didn't have to worry about any problems with your knees or hips or anything like that. You know, you had cushion. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, the front porch was falling off. And uh, so you, when you grow up in that kind of an environment, um, that's what you know. When I started dating her, as I was a junior and she was a sophomore, I was invited to her home. I told you this story one time, you know, first time I've ever been there to this house, you know, nice house, brick house, all these different kinds of things. And I go in there, we're sitting at this nice dining room table, and they got these, these uh, chairs that are real dainty and fine and all that. I broke one of those. <laughs> I just leaned back, you know, and the thing broke. I'm thinking, dear God, this is the last thing that I, I didn't say, dear God. But anyway, this is the last thing I need to have happen. Thank God her dad was so gracious. Well, you know, we've been, we've been wanting to change these anyway. And you know that thing, you know. So, so he, he, he bailed me out. But uh, so I grew up in a, basically, I don't know that I would say we lived hand to mouth, but we didn't live very well. My dad was an alcoholic. And so his big deal was, is how soon can we get to the bar? And um, unfortunately, now the good news to all that is, is that my wife and I led him to the Lord on his deathbed in Jenny Edmondson Hospital two days before he died. And he died of cirrhosis of the liver. He was 59 years old. Um, so that's kind of the thing. And don't feel sorry for me because I'm good. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. But, but again, so, so my mentality when it came to money was, I wouldn't say hand to mouth, but just never having enough, you know, not being a good steward, you know, all those different, I, nobody ever taught me about money until I got saved. And then I got around some people, you know, that, that had something and they started to teach me about money, you know, and uh, it, 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 it literally changed my life, you know. I, I'll tell this story. Um, we had one of our board members when we first got started in the ministry and things like that. And, and I didn't know anything about money, but we needed to, uh, we, we had this building, we assumed the loan on this building. The bank had to take us because the loan was assumable. You don't even see them things anymore. It's a redo no matter what now. 
So we assumed this loan, and they didn't want to have anything to do with us, but they didn't have a choice, you know? And uh, so we leased it with an option. We bought it from an insurance agent up in Sioux City. He had it for a tax shelter. We, we bought it. We leased it with an option to buy it. And so I'm getting into weeds that I don't know anything about. And we bought this building or this 10 acres in that building for $150,000. And that don't sound like a big deal right now, but back then... Yeah, I remember when my wife and I bought a house for 40000 I thought, my God, I'll be in debt until I'm dead, you know, because I, I didn't know. I didn't, I, you know, I, I couldn't get my head wrapped around any of this. And so, uh, so they had to assume the loan, and it was like $111,000, and so we needed about 37000 at the end of the two years to uh, make up the difference. And so we had six men, five or six, I believe it was, that all put their John Henry on a on a uh, deal that they would cover five or six thousand bucks uh, if the whole thing went south. And every one of these guys that put their name on that had already decided. Well, you know, I could lose this, but I tell you, I'm going to uh, do it for the sake of the church. And thank God they did. Yeah, Amen. And it and it worked out. You know. So where was I on this story? Um, oh. So, so, you know, we got this thing going, and, and I don't know anything about money. So one of the men, one of the board members, they asked me the question. They said, well, how much can you afford? And I said, well, you know, we can, we can afford. We paid $1,428 a month when we bought the building. The payment went down to 1128 bucks. You say, how does that work? That clown up there, man, was taking, I mean, we were paying everything taxes and everything, whatever. So when we got it bought, we actually started paying less. I didn't know nothing about that. Could have done it sooner. You with me? So anyway, I'm talking to this person about this, and I'm, I'm asking a question. They said, well, so how much can you afford? How much can we afford is what they said. And I said, well, you know, um, I, think we can, um, I think we can afford $1,500. I don't remember what the number was. And he says, well, go in there and make a deal with the bank for about $800, $900 a month. I said, Okay, why are we going to do that? He says, because you're going to pay him the eight or $900 a month, and then you're going to take the other 600 and you're going to rat hole it. And then what you're going to do is when you get to the end of the quarter or maybe every six months or whatever, you're going to walk in there and you're going to plunk down a big old pile of money and say, I want to put this down on the principal. Yep. Well, that's a new concept to Mikey. Really? <laughs> Matter of fact, you were in that, you were in that, yeah, you were in that bank. God bless you. And uh, so um, that's what we did. And I said, well, why do we want to do that? And because you got to understand, at that time, when we started our church, everybody thought we were a cult. And they didn't want to have anything to do with us. And so he says, well, at the very least, they might not like you, but praise God, at least they'll know you can pay your bills. You know? So that's what we ended up doing. And we paid it off in advance. Because before you guys, nobody wanted to borrow us anything. And it's the same way today. When you need the money, they ain't got none. But when you don't need the money, they have all you want. Isn't that right, Rusty? Amen. <laughs> Rusty's a banker. <laughs> you know. And, uh, and so that's the way we got started. In other words, I began to learn. That's why I'm saying to you, you know, get around some people. And learn something about the way that they do life so that it can be a blessing to you. Am I in the right house? 
And as a result of that, you'll get blessed. Hallelujah. So you have to change. Now, I, I was telling you about my side of it. But like when I went to Joan's house and I seen this beautiful home and it was well cared for and all these different kinds of things. And, and I can remember vividly, she took me down in the basement and showed me their pantry. And it was a room. <laughs> and it had, I mean, from floor to ceiling, all kinds of canned goods and and stuff that had been, you know, uh, uh, made up, you know, canned and things of that nature from the, I mean, uh, I mean, I, cu I couldn't hardly believe it. I thought, my God, I have never seen anything like this before. In other words, they had plenty. They had more than enough. They had an abundance. And the reason was that's the way they thought. And, and so, and of course, her mother was busy. They had a hired man. She's feeding people all the time. So naturally, she needed to have all of these things. And I mentioned, I think, on Wednesday night, uh, her father was, uh, he owned 800 acres. Now, that don't sound like a big deal right now, but I'm telling you what, that was a big deal back then. We're talking 45, almost 50 years ago. And he had cattle, he had hogs, he had a hired man. And I mean, uh, they were people with a mindset completely different than mine. But I caught on. You know, praise God, that there was opportunity. You know, people are willing to work. You can, you can actually make some money. A lot of folk, they don't want to work. Right now, man, the government's telling you, you don't need to work. We'll take care of you. That is baloney. Absolute. I will guarantee you that if the government's offering you something later on, you're going to have to pay up. So anyway, that's beside the point. Let's not get all, well, we don't want to get negative, do we? Huh? So anyway, um, I'm thankful for the heritage that, that she had and, um, because it helped me. Her parents bought all the appliances in our house when we first got married. And again, that you know, may not seem like a big deal now, but I'm telling you what, dude, we, we had a couple five-gallon buckets to sit on. That's the way we got started. And maybe some of you are the same way. They helped us. They were generous, extremely generous. Amen. How many of you want to be generous? I mean, just to be able to do something like that, well, no problem, man. We'll take care of that for you. That's awesome. Oh, you need some money? We'll raise $22,000 so you can keep preaching the gospel in Columbia. Amen. Yeah. So... It's that natural mindset that I can't go too much further into because time's getting away from us. Religious thinking. This really messes a lot of people up. Now, you may not have grown up in the church. You may just be absolutely irreligious and don't know anything about it. But a lot of times, you know, uh, people, the devil will do anything he can to explain away the concept that God wants to provide for you abundantly. Okay? And a lot of times, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, well, God didn't, God didn't promise to prosper you or prosper us or whatever. Well, if you read the Bible, you might find out that that's not true. He did promise to prosper us. You with me? And so we just need to get our thinking. But, <clears throat> and, and the thing about it is, and we went through this a little bit, it was kind of like, well, you're not really spiritual if you don't go without, you know. And, and the point is, is that, you know, I understand having to sacrifice. When my wife and I first got started, we had to sacrifice, okay? But we were willing. But here's the thing you need to understand in the context, uh, context of that, that 
a lot of times you do have to sacrifice. Think about Jerry and Barb when they went to Columbia. They went with nothing. I mean, they had support, but I mean, where they were going, there was nothing there. You know, and so they built the ministry that they now have the privilege of being able to oversee. But you have to sacrifice in order to obey, but in obeying, God brings reward. And that's one of the things in religious thinking, you know, where, um, you know, you hear about people, you know, in years gone by, maybe not so much now, about taking vows of poverty. That's a doctrine of the devil. And I don't mean to, I'm not trying to speak disparagingly of any particular denominational preference, but the reality is, is that there's, you can't find that in the Bible, you know, and yet people have mistakenly decided to buy into it. And, and, and I'll tell you another thing about it is, is when it comes to this, this concept about, you know, uh, not having anything, it's, it's one of the very reasons why people don't want to have anything to do with the church. You know, if I'm going to go through life with nothing, dude, I'm out. You with me? And, and the thing of it is, is that, uh, you know, people are mistaken in their thinking that in order to be spiritual, you can't have anything. And nothing could be further from the truth. Are you with me? You know, your spirituality isn't really based upon what it is that you have or you don't have. Okay? Now, it'll impact it, but nevertheless, and that's all I can say about that part of it. I could talk about more. And then Jesus warned us about being covetous. Hmm. So how do we manage that? Well, you know, there was a guy that came up to him one day, and he was, you know, in... in, um, uh, someplace, and, and uh, the guy comes up and he says, hey, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And, uh, and so Jesus said, uh, he said, dude, who am I? Who made me a ruler over you? What, what do I have to do with whatever it is that you got going on in your life? And then he started preaching. And he said, Be- beware of covetousness. Now, I don't know what the circumstance, I, I don't know that the Bible tells us, but this guy was just that, obviously, or Jesus wouldn't have said that. And he said that a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses, okay? And so uh, uh, he talked about this. And let me give you a definition of covet. It means to fix the desire upon. It's a Greek word. Uh, don't hold me to this. Epitheos or themos, maybe. And it, 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 the epi part of it is to... to to cast your eyes, if you want to, upon something. And then the themos part of it is, um, and it's, intensive, it's used intensively about passion. So in other words, it's, you know, we think about lust, not in a sexual kind of way, but strong desire, covetous. Look at that. They got that. I want that, you know, or whatever the case might be. You understand where I'm coming from? So in other words, there's a passion behind it. So it's, it's whether things are good or bad. And so it's to long for, to lust after, to covet. And really, it's a heart issue, okay? Now, in another place, when Paul was talking to Timothy, and we don't have time to go there, but he said that, uh, he said, godliness with contentment is great gain, Okay? Can you put that up there real quickly uh, for me, uh, uh, Julia? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's go to the next verse. For we brought nothing into this world. It's certain that we can carry nothing out. Go ahead. 
So then having food and raiment, let's be uh, there with content. Then it goes on. But those that would be rich, or the, the emphasis here, and again, we don't have time to get into this, those that set their eyes on and are driven to be rich end up falling into temptation, a snare, and many foolish and lustful hurts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now, can you go, yeah, in the next one? For the love of money. Now, you know, we talked about this. A lot of people say, well, money's the root of all evil. It's not money that's the root. It's the love of money that's the root, which while some coveted after, they've erred from the faith, pierced themselves uh, uh, through with many sorrows. In other words, they just chase the dollar. Can you put verse 17 on there for me, please? So charge those that have something in this world that they don't be proud or lifted up or haughty, nor put their trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, now look at this, who gives us richly, what's the next two words? All things to enjoy. So it's a heart thing. God is not opposed to you having things. He's opposed to things having you. And the reality is, is that if this congregation didn't have something, we couldn't give $22,000 to a missionary so they can keep doing what they're doing. So you're with me? There's just a, you know, and, and you got to get your head straightened out about some of these things, you know, uh, when it comes to um, thinking because if you don't, <clears throat> well, you miss out. And so many people don't see that God wants them to prosper and be in health. Um, and it's so unfortunate. Um, um, let me ask you this question. Oh, that's the problem. I'm sorry. I didn't do it. My, my computer went rogue on me. And I only print one side when it comes to my notes, and this thing did something and started printing both sides. I'm, I'm there where I need to be now. Thanks, Bill. All right. The Bible encourages generosity. The Bible says, do not withhold good from those to whom it's due when it's in your power to do it. Don't say to your neighbor, well, you know, go and come again tomorrow, and, and I'll give it to you when you have it you know, within your ability to do it right then and there. Are you with me? You know, uh, look at Psalm. Y'all got just a little bit of time. Come on, give me just a little bit of time here. All right. Who give me five minutes? Five, 10, 50, 20, 25. All right, great. Turn to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. Psalm. 112. Isn't God good? Notice here in Psalm 112, verse 1, it says, Praise ye the Lord. What's the next word? Blessed. Blessed is the man that fears or reveres the Lord and that delights greatly in his commandments. Now it's going to describe what happens to the guy. His seed will be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Now, if God doesn't want you to have it, huh? what's he putting this in the Bible for? In Psalm 37, or 35, 27, you can just write this down. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. And then it goes on to say, for the Lord um, 
delights. Everybody say delights. He delights in the prosperity of his servants. Whoo, how many servants we got here? Well, God delights in you having something. Why? Because you can share it with somebody else. You can help them, you know, the less fortunate. You can be a blessing to people. You can be generous to them. Notice it goes on then. It says in verse 4, To the upright there arises light in the darkness. He, this person, is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Now notice verse 5. It says that a good man shows favor and lends and he will guide his affairs with discretion, or we could say with judgment. I want you to notice the term, a good man. You know, and I, again, I don't have time to get into this, but really, by definition, a good man is a generous man. My father-in-law was a generous man, and he helped us in so many ways. Well, part of the reason was is because he could. I mean, it was his heart to do it, but he was positioned to be able to do it. Are you with me? And, uh, and um, yeah, he was, a, he was generous. But a good man is a generous man. The, the mission offering that we took. Let me ask you this question. Now, don't answer it. Just think about it with me for a minute. When, when I told you that we raised $22,000 for this couple, what was your initial thought? Now, I would say, obviously, by applause and everything, most of the people here uh, would say, Wow, that is awesome. But you know, not everybody thinks like that. A lot of folks think, my God, that's way too much money for any one couple to ever get and to come out of the church. Well, obviously, you have a little bit different mindset, don't you? Now, I don't know what your response was, and, I, and, and that's not, I don't care. I mean, I do, but I don't. You know what I'm saying? But the thing about it is, is if you don't get your mind renewed to the Word of God, then God it'll be very difficult for God to ever be able to use you, you know? I mean, I'm telling you what, God, he's not real fond of stingy people. But he sure enough does like those people that are generous. Amen. So it says here, a good man will show favor. Glory to God. So the Bible encourages us to be generous in our giving. Hallelujah. Now, <clears throat> again, you know, this mindset and changing the way you think, you know, people would say things like this, say, you know, that's too much money to give to any one couple. Don't you know there's all kinds of poor people in the world? Yeah, I do. But you know, there was a woman one night that came in, kind of crashed a party where Jesus was with a bunch of uh, religious rulers, Pharisees. And this woman came in with an alabaster, I don't know, it says box, could have been a, a the, 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 just the, the container itself was hugely expensive. And she took this thing and she either broke it open or opened it or whatever the case might be and anointed Jesus and, uh, with it. And people were sitting around and they all freaked out. Why? Because they were covetous. Judas was one of them. He was a thief. Why all this waste? You know, and, and this could have been given to the poor. Dude, he didn't care nothing about the poor. He was a stinking thief. He wanted what, was, what she had in the value of it. And I guarantee you there are people, when he made that statement, there are probably people in that room that said, yeah. And Jesus just said, leave her alone. She has prepared this for my burial. You know, I'm sure she didn't even know anything about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He said, the poor you have with you always. 
So when you hear people say, well, you know, this, this should be given. I, I understand um, excessive uh, things, you know, that sometimes uh, ministries or churches can do. I mean, you've got to be the judge of all of that, you know. But, but I, when, when things are being done that support a righteous uh, purpose, then praise God, we need to, you, do you understand that? I think you do, you know, and, um, and so uh, it's, it's important uh, about, and, and, you know, when people say, well, that's too, money, too much money, I say to them, well, apparently God did not think so. Because what did he do? He used a bunch of people who obeyed God and were willing to give, and that's what ended up happening. You know, whenever somebody comes to our church and we say this is offerings for them, they get it all. They actually get it all and then some. We pay for all of their expenses. They are our guest. Are you listening to me? And I believe from the very beginning when we first got started, I, I believe with all my heart that if you give God your best, he will give you his best. And we've had ministers that wouldn't darken the door of many churches and, and again, it's not for money, but, but right on the other hand, you know, if you're going to be cared for, uh, you'll go. Are you with me? And we've done that all of our lives. And if the, if the offering didn't come up to speed to where what we thought it should, we would add to it. I know one church, you know, they're a smaller church, they lay up in store before the guy ever gets there because they're not going to invite him to come or her to come and minister and not be generous in their giving to that person. Amen? You know? And, and so we've done that all of our lives. And I mean, if I had to give it out of my own pocket, I'd do it. You know, and have. Because that's just proper. How many of you believe that? How many of you aren't sure? How many of you don't know? Okay, well, anyway. It's, I'm talking, we're talking about changing the way we think about money. Amen? Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, quite a concept, but the reality is, is that God wants to make money your servant instead of you being its servant. But you got to do it his way. Y'all believe that? I remember one time uh, there's a story told, Brother Hagen, again, the founder of our school, he was preaching in a church. And of course, he would go in back then. They'd go for, uh, he, w- he wouldn't come for any less than three weeks. Sometimes he'd stay up to nine weeks and preach. Well, you know, if you, can, if you can stay there for a while and, you know, pour into people night after night, and sometimes he do two services a day, one in the morning, one at night, you know, the thing starts to build. And, they, and I think the way they kind of handle it back then is, is that uh, he got the Sunday, the Tuesday, and the Friday night offering, and then the rest of the offerings went to help, you know, support the church and the, uh, the bills, the electricity, and, you know, whatever else was going on. And so... Uh, they got into the, the meeting and, you know, crowds started to come and, you know, more than normal and the offerings got really good. So one of the board members, he calls a meeting, all the board members and says, uh, uh, this, this is too much money. Uh, we, we can't, we need to, you know, pe- you guys a stinking thief. Yeah. And covetous. He's getting too much money. We, we can't be giving him all this. So anyway, you know, the guys didn't know what to think. Well, anyway, one night, Brother Hagen was preaching. Now, I don't remember what the subject was. It wasn't about money necessarily. And he comes over. And Now, understand, Nelson is not the guy. <laughs> but, you know, Brother Hagen, by, you know, unconsciously by the Holy Ghost, goes over 
And he's talking along some line, and, and the continuity of the, of the, uh, the subject is same. And he, he looks right down at this guy, and he goes, you know, somebody's trying to steal my money. And he just turned around and walked off, and it was that guy. And Brother Haig didn't know anything about it. Well, needless to say, they gave him all the offering. If you say that you're going to give an offering to someone, then they need to get it. Are you listening to me? That makes sense to you? You know, but things like that happen. Hallelujah. So anyway, if we do it, that's what's going to happen. Now, uh, let's turn to, uh, you told me you'd give me quite a bit of time here. So look at 3 John 2. Um, never imagine it go this long. Well, yeah, actually I did. 3 John 2. We'll be done. Yeah, you know, you'll, you know, I mean, lunch isn't until noon, right? Okay. Third John 2. Now, how many of you believe the Bible's God speaking to you? Huh? Okay. So notice verse 2 of the third John. It says, Beloved. How many beloved do we have here today? Okay. Beloved, I wish, I pray, huh? Or desire above all things that you would prosper physically and be in health, huh? or materially, and, then, and be in health physically. Notice what it says, even as your soul prospers. Okay? Beloved, I wish above all things or pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, in thinking about this, thinking about prosperity, some people say, well, you know, that's not really what that meant. It's talking about, you know, prospering, you know, spiritually. They try to explain it away. Aren't you glad the Bible is true? Amen. He said, you, I want you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So in thinking about this, you know, people, when you talk about prosperity, people naturally think about, you know, the natural realm, financially, materially, that type of thing. And, and that's a part of it. But it's talking about you prospering spirit, soul, and body. I mean, throughout your being, that God wants you to prosper in every aspect of your life. How many of you believe that? Okay. And so it's important for us to understand that. And the truth is, is that, you know, <clears throat> when it comes to prosperity, it all is dependent upon you know, the spiritual aspect of your life as your soul prospers. My wife and I didn't know any of this. We start reading these scriptures and we're excited. Did you read this? Did you just see what he said? He said he wants us to prosper. No, that's not what that means. Well, what does it mean? Well, it's just, you know, it's talking about, you know, spiritually prospering. You know, God never promised, you know. And so you, you, go, you go away like this. Doggone it. I thought I was onto something here. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll get in another meeting or somebody will preach or whatever, and, and they'll find another verse of Scripture. And you say, well, looky there. Hallelujah. And, and, and so then you get excited about that, and then somebody, you know, some naysayer, they'll come along and say, well, no, that's not what it meant. You know, and I'll give you a great example. Y'all ready for a great example? Stay with me here for just a little bit more, okay? Joseph. Any of you remember the story of Joseph in Genesis 37? His, his brothers sold him off into slavery 
because they were jealous of him. Okay? You know, that youngest, they got it so nice. You know, the older ones, they go, I never got any of that. I never got, you know, blah, blah, blah. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, Joseph was the youngest. Dad had a coat of many colors made for him, and, and man, it just, it, it revved him up. And then he had a dream from heaven. You know, the blessing of God is on this guy. And he, and he didn't know. He said, I, got, I had a dream. Tells him all about it. Has another dream. His folks rebuke him for that, you know, even though, you know, it was from heaven. And they get mad, and they sell him off into slavery. Now, you don't have to turn there, but, but we'll just put it up on the screen here. Notice this. Um, this is in uh, Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Notice what it says. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt as a slave. His, his, his brother sold him. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the hands of the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down thither. Notice now, next verse. And the Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say, the Lord's with me. me. Yeah, the Lord's with you. And he was a prosperous man. Now, wait a minute. Back up the train. How can you be prosperous and you're a slave? He got nothing. He's off in some other land, man. Dude, he's going to be a slave till he dies. But the Bible says that he was a prosperous man. In other words, this guy learned, I'm going to bloom wherever I'm planted. I'm going to be faithful. See, part of the thing in, in prosperity is being faithful. And so he went to work. And Potiphar takes a look at this guy and goes, man, dude, this guy's got it going on. I think the hand of God is on him. And not only that, but he, he recognized that everything that he did, he did, he did, everything that he did. A lot of people think, well, you know, I want this prosperity thing, but I don't want to do nothing. Forget it. Yeah. Okay? The only thing that's going to show up at your house is bills. Amen. But he got after it. And he started working, and he started being, you know, and, and Potiphar's watching him. The Bible says before it was over with, there wasn't anything in Potiphar's house that Joseph did not have charge of except his wife. And she wanted him too, you know. And he said, wrong guy. There isn't anything that Potiphar has withheld from me except you. And how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Well, you know what that did? That got him in jail. Now, you talk about getting bitter instead of, you know, better. Joseph had a chance. But he got thrown in prison because he was wrongfully accused by a woman. Well, never mind. And, and so she, he ends up in prison. But you know what? He didn't let that bother him. He got in that prison. He said, you know, this place looks like a dump. Let's get this place cleaned up. And you, you, you start cleaning. Get that bucket, some water. Let's, let's, you know, make something better out of this. And before it was over with, he's running the jail. And then he has a dream, you know, or a, a, a Pharaoh has a dream. There's a long story to all of this. But he ends up, I don't know how long he was in prison, but it was a while. And before it was over with, you know, when he went to the Pharaoh's uh, palace and interpreted the dream, is that what happened? Yep. Yeah. Getting a little confused here. It's all right. It's getting lighter. But anyway, uh, uh, 
Anyway, Potiphar says, well, who's smarter than this guy? The answer's standing right in front of me. I'm going to put you in charge of taking care of these seven years that we have all this plenty so that when the seven lean years come, we'll be ready for it. And now he is second in command right underneath Potiphar. I wonder what it was like when they had their, their estate meetings, you know, where all of the officials and everybody sat around the table and, and uh, you know, Pharaoh's here and uh, Joseph is here and Potiphar and his wife are right down there. I will guarantee you that woman was shaking in her boots. Now, the Bible doesn't say, you know, while they were sitting there, you know, Joseph said, hey, there's one little matter that I'd like to take care of, you know, while we're here. Doesn't say that he did that, and chances are he never did, you know. But he was a prosperous man. And so my point to using that is to simply say prosperity starts in here, but you've got to change what you're thinking up here. And then you can begin to learn how and flow with what it is that God has for you in your life. Because guess what? He's got plenty. Are you listening to me? And if you'll do that, I guarantee you that you'll be blessed coming in, going out, and then God can use you. It's up to you whether you prosper mentally. It's up to you whether you prosper in school. I mean, if there are those of you that are in school or even our kids, students, it's up to you if you want to prosper in your job. It's up to you whether you want to prosper finally. But the truth is that God wants you to be blessed. Amen? You say, well, I'm... And again, I, I'm, I'm rushing through all of this, but, you know, my wife and I, we didn't know it, but thank God we caught on. Amen? And I don't, you know, I'm not... Um, how would I say it? Um, I want to help people. That's, that's my heart and that's my motive, okay? And, and I, I don't apologize for what it is that God has done in our lives, but, you know, we've worked for many years and we've been good stewards of what it is that God has, you know, uh, blessed us with, amen? And I th- now, a lot of folk, they won't like that, but that's their problem, not mine. Are you with me? My joy is not in their head. And when it's over with, I'll go find something to eat and I'll be happy. Amen. And so should you. Don't apologize for what it is that God does within your life, you know, because he wants you to be blessed. But start believing that the word is true. Here's three things you can think about when it comes to this. Start believing that God's word is true. You know, people say, well, what can I do? You got to believe the Bible. Huh? You know, 2 Chronicles 2020 says, you know, believe in the Lord your God and you will prosper. Believe also his prophets or the word of God, and you will be established. How many of you want to be established? Well, you got to believe what he said. Isn't that right? You know, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9, I'm just quoting these scriptures. It says, he says, if, if you don't believe, you will not be established. And, there, you know, a lot of folk, they say, well, I ain't going to believe that. Well, okay. But, you know, there's another scripture in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, um, <laughs> it just took off. Um, Julia? And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in... What's that word? Believing. Believing. Well, it suggests that if I don't believe, I ain't going to have no joy and peace. But he is the God of hope. And he will fill you with joy and peace in believing. Hallelujah. 
And then it goes on to say that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You got a lot to live for, you guys. You got a lot to look forward to because Jesus is coming again. Amen and amen. So that's all you get. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me, if you would, please. Thank you for giving me just a little bit extra here this morning. But I just, you know, it's important. Start believing that the Word of God is true. Change the imagery on the inside of you. And start saying what the Bible says instead of what, you know, somebody else or whatever. People, you know, if you're always talking lack, um, negative, never having enough, complaining about what you don't have. And listen, you guys, I got to tell you, you got you to protect your heart from this right now. Because we live in such a critical, um, cynical world, you know. And, and all of this is leading up to the culmination of all things when Jesus comes again. But you got to guard your heart with all diligence because from it, flow the issues of life. So don't allow yourself to get cynical and critical and negative and all of these things. You know, it started, I mean, probably five, six years ago. I mean, the whole thing ratcheted up over all the political business that went on. And people started forming their opinions and this and that and the other. And then all of a sudden COVID comes along and, you know, to jab or not to jab and all these other different kinds of things. And people, I mean, they get emotionally engaged in these kinds of things. And all of a sudden, um, you got a whole bunch of folk that have these entrenched opinions, you know? Well, let's make sure that our opinions are entrenched in, in this, the Word of God, and not get, become all embroiled in all this mess. You're entitled to believe and think and whatever, you know, however you want to, but you know, let's just not, let's not go there. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Choose to be happy. Glory to God. If you'll be happy, people will notice it. They'll go, my God, what are you so happy about? Well, you can say, well, Jesus is Lord, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, he is. And he's coming again. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. We're so grateful, Father, for what you've done in our lives and what it is that you want to do. And in these last days, Father God, help us to be a people that well, people that believe, hallelujah, because those that believe, Father God, are the ones that will be uh, blessed. And so we're so grateful for what it is that you've entrusted us with, what it is that you've made us to know. And God, we thank you for using us as an instrument to be generous and to contribute and to support Jerry and Barb in the efforts that you have for them in Columbia. Bless the work of their hand. God, may there be a grace upon them. We thank you again, Father, for the accreditation of that school so those children, Father, can be taught. And I just thank you, Lord God, for your divine grace in their lives. Favor where the government is concerned, that they will obtain their purpose. You're the one, Father, who gave them and put this vision within their heart. And God, we're asking you to bring to pass and fulfill what it is that you started in them. And we just thank you, Father God, for those that are here today. May their hearts and their lives be enriched by your presence and by the reality and the truth of your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. God bless you.